Cut it up one time.
My name is Sarah Basehart and my pronouns are she and her. I'm a member of your Board of Trustees and it's my pleasure to welcome you to worship at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty Minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out to the many lay leaders and volunteers whose incredible efforts and dedication help keep us connected. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whoever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests joining worship this morning. We encourage you to fill out the visitors form in the lobby or online and connect with others in the virtual or in-person social hour after the service so that we may meet and welcome you. Finally, for those attending worship in our sanctuary at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center this morning, please take a moment to silence your cell phones or other electronic devices. Two quick announcements from me. Save the date for UUCC's in-gathering potluck lunch happening Sunday, September 11th. After the service, bring a dish and a friend. For more information, visit the UUCC website calendar. Don't forget to join us after worship today in Sanctuary B for coffee hour. And now an announcement from Robin Slaw, Director of Religious Education. Good morning, everyone. So yesterday, just yesterday, I received an email from a friend. Uh, she works for the legislative ministry, the UU Legislative Ministry of Maryland, which is a, it's a statewide action network that tries to um, educate and persuade our legislators to pass legislation that helps us, that lives into our values. Earlier in 2022, we worked with the legislative ministry to produce a multi-generational campaign to help pass climate change legislation. And it worked. Climate Solutions Now was passed and it was officially enacted into law. 
We had some children, some families participate, and I am so proud of those children because they were able to speak so eloquently. They had a positive impact on our legislators. So back to that email from my friend. She used the video, that the one you're about to watch, to help her conservative, fox-watching brother-in-law understand why climate change legislation is so important. Here's what she wrote to me. Last time I debated my brother-in-law, he said climate change was so political, but he asked me about my job, so I showed him our video. Folks, he got it. At the end of the video, he wiped a tear from his eye. He specifically cited Sebastian's words about natural resources. And as a father himself, he got wanting to protect the environment for his kids. He may not go full Lorax, but he understood what we were trying to accomplish and could support it even as a staunch Republican himself. I am tearing up writing about this. Thank you all for making it happen. So let's watch the video. we keep on polluting then there won't be any natural things or streams that we can go visit. I'm Sebastian. I'd like to tell you about what I want Maryland to be like. See, last weekend I went to a national park and I went camping there with my friends on this island and I got to see something all this nature and the water was clean, it was so clean and we were able to canoe there and there were like a bald eagle's nest, not too far from us. We saw them fishing and flying around. They were even raising their young inside this beautiful, beautiful place. And this is the Maryland that I want to grow up in. This is the Maryland that I want to live in. This is the Maryland that I want you to vote on. Please pass the laws to save the planet to keep the environment healthy. So let's get together and help the bees that polluted Earth. I'm a UU kid for a livable planet. Vote for a better future. Thank you. So our children and youth understand the importance of building a better world. It's because we talk to them about our UU values when we're with them. We talk to them about how our faith calls us to build a better world. We talk to them about our principles, about how to live a life of values. We are a religious people. We believe that how we interact with the world makes a difference. We need mentors for our children. We specifically need people who are willing to come back to Obik at 4 p.m. on Sundays to work with our middle school and Quest classes. We need more Sunday morning assistance also. So please be in touch with me or sign up to help through the website under the programs menu. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning, everybody. My name is Paige Getty. I use the pronouns she, her, and hers, and it is my great honor to serve as minister of this congregation and to be back with you after a couple of months away. So it's wonderful to see you here and to welcome all of you who are joining us virtually this morning. 
Just a couple of logistical notes. Those of you here in the sanctuary, if you need a hearing assist device, the tech team has those in the back. So visit them and they'll help you out. If you don't have a copy of the order of service yet and want to view that on your mobile device, use the QR code that's getting ready to appear on the screen. And those of you on Zoom can also access that either using the QR code or the URL that is probably available to you in the chat. But since I can't see that, I can't guarantee it. Are we going to show the QR code? Do I need to stop talking? Oh, there it is. Thank you. Um, I don't want to get ahead of the tech team. If you're a guest this morning, Sarah has invited you to complete the visitor form. We do encourage you to do that so we all can stay in touch with one another between Sundays as well. And a reminder that as we do most Sundays, we are going to honor personal joys and sorrows later in the service today. So if you have a joy or a sorrow that you would like to have spoken on your behalf, please either write that in the book at the back of the sanctuary or send it via email to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net. Many thanks always to everyone who's contributing to this morning's service, the staff, including Robin and Michael, our guest musician, Marianne Evangelista, all of you volunteers who are serving as hospitality to welcome everyone both in person and online. We could not do this without all of you, so thank you. Will you take a steadying breath now together? In addition to all the rituals and the prayers and the singing that we do together on Sundays, so much of what we do here in these gatherings is about exploring meaning and purpose of the individual life, of the communal life, of an institution of which we are a part. We ask questions like, what are we here for? What's most important and meaningful and life-giving? We explore these questions by sharing stories and reflection and information with one another in a variety of ways. And we, a Unitarian Universalist congregation, are part of a living religious tradition that has long valued learning. Our religious education programs for children and youth are centerpieces of congregational life. Unitarian and Universalist clergy have long been expected to be formally educated, intellectual, thinking, reasoning, rational leaders. And especially in Unitarian congregations, slightly less so among the Universalists in the 18th and 19th centuries, it was only in recent decades that you could hear a sermon that was distinguishable from a lecture delivered in a college lecture hall. Formal education, teaching and learning are in, in our institutional DNA. And in recent years, we as Unitarian Universalist institutions have been more consciously facing some of the limits of our own traditions are traditions that promote a Western colonialist style of teaching and learning above all else. We've been challenging ourselves to question what life experience, what wisdom, what learning are we missing out on if we focus only on what is taught in classrooms and learned from books. We're not going to abandon classrooms or books anytime soon. I certainly am not. 
But we are intentionally exploring additional ways of learning and teaching and understanding ourselves in the world and in a congregational context. Even as I was writing and am now speaking these words, I'm aware that maybe I shouldn't be saying we. Who is included and excluded when I say we, Unitarian Universalists? Even that is part of this learning process. So today, we celebrate education. We especially, I think, honor classroom teachers who in Howard County and the public schools are going to be welcoming students to the start of a new school year tomorrow. Some of you are in this room, some of you are in the room virtually, I know. And we know that your work is uniquely challenging, especially right now and in recent years. We know your work is extraordinary, and we hope that it will bring you at least as much meaning as it does challenge for you and for your students. We honor all of those Howard County students, all learners and educators who are beginning new educational endeavors in whatever context at this time. And today we celebrate the particular kind of learning that happens here in religious community, especially among our children and youth, and especially in the Our Whole Lives classes that will begin soon, where we offer comprehensive, values-based, age-appropriate sexuality education for all ages, from age five to 105. We celebrate especially that kind of learning, but also all the ways that together we are a learning community. So Delilah and Delilah's dad, Zach, I think, are going to come forward to light our flaming chalice, this traditional symbol of Unitarian Universalism, a reminder of the network of Unitarian Universalist congregations with whom we are connected. Hi, Delilah, good morning. Will you light that flame for us? Thank you very much. So as we light this flame, and now as I invite you to hear the sounding of the bell, take another steadying breath, and let's open our minds and our bodies and our hearts in wonder, in curiosity, in awe. And now, as we continue, will you please rise in body or in spirit? We're going to speak together the words of our congregational covenant. These are these promises that we make that tell us who we are and how we agree to be in community with one another. And after we speak these words, you're invited to greet your neighbors gently and kindly as we welcome one another into this space. Strengthened by our common humanity, 
and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. Now, will you turn to one another and say hello? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Good morning, all. Hello, John. Good to see you. Hello, Anne. Nice to see Hi, Claire. Hi, Diane. Annie. Hi, Diane. Hi. Hi, Flo. Really? Hey, Pat. Hello, Hello, Gail. You're back. <laughs> Hello, tech team. Especially when you can sit, you know, like us, there's two. And right. we're only Hi, one, so it's probably over 100. Yeah. Hello, Keynes. Hi, Ray. Good morning. Hello, Ken. Hello, a lot of these people. Hi, Amber. Like Hi, Rick. I'm Hi. Hello, Jerry. Hi, Nancy. Hello, Scotties. Right on. Morning. 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 Extraordinary skilled at torture. Okay, maybe maybe you're imagining something that I'm not going to talk about now. So, but it was torture, pure and simple. How many of you? Oh, kids, if you would like to come down, I welcome you to come down. How many of you like tickling? Well, I'm actually surprised that I got a few hands up because almost no one raised their hand. Come down, come over here. Come over here, please. Come all the way over here. Thank you. Because we're going to do an activity, and I need, um, I need some help practicing. So my friend Amelia is going to come up. Um, so my family would tickle each other until we screamed and begged for mercy. They didn't stop, even when we said, no, stop. What do you think is wrong with that? Lily, what? Consent. Consent. Yeah, that's an owl graduate right there. <laughs> so, consent. That's one of the things that we learn about in our whole lives, or OWL for short. I'm sorry this is making so much noise. I don't know what to do. Um, it's a human sexuality lifespan program. And as Paige said, we teach all ages here. We didn't used to teach children when I was a child that they had the right to say no. We didn't teach them about consent. We didn't know it was okay to say stop and that people should stop when we said stop. 
but we teach our children differently now. When my children were little, we were just starting to talk about consent, and I had to teach their grandpa and their uncles over and over again. When they say stop, you need to stop. When they say no, don't do it. It was a long, hard lesson for everybody to learn, but they did eventually learn it. So Reverend Page and I thought it would be fun to do an activity that some of you bigger kids have already done in Al, but you younger kids haven't gotten to it yet, and it's a consent activity. So these are really important skills for you to have with your friends, with your family, and later on when you get a little bit older with friends, did I say a friends already? And with, with partners when you get older? Yeah. It's important to be able to talk to each other and say when it's okay and when to say stop. So I want you to all, no, actually don't stand up yet because my friend Amelia and I are gonna, we're gonna do a demo. And all you people in the back, in the chairs, you're gonna be involved in this activity too. So listen carefully. How might you give consent? What might you do to give consent? Say yes. Say yes. Yeah, absolutely. What else might you do to say consent? Can you show it with your body? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so if, if you want to get a hug, you can do this, right? And then people know that you want a hug, and they can choose to give you a hug or say, no, thanks. How else might you do it? Can you think of any other ways? Oh, you can give a thumbs up, yeah. So you can use your words to say yes or no, and you can use your body to show yes or no. There's all different ways to do that. So here's what we're gonna do. That's right, you can nod or shake your head. Absolutely, thank you. You forgot that it was a way to say yes or no, so I'm glad you remember because that's another important way to show. Yeah, all right. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask all the kids in a minute when I say go to choose an aisle and walk down an aisle, and I'm going to ask all of the people sitting in the chairs to ask them, use your words, may I give you a fist bump? You can put your fist up, and a fist bump, in case you're as old as I am, looks like that. We'll demo again. It's not as hard as you can do it. Gentle, yeah, it's not a punch, it's a gentle fist bump. Children, you get to decide if you want a fist bump or not. So if you're not in the mood for a fist bump right now, you can just stay right up here. But I would like some of you to try walking down an aisle and getting some fist bumps. And then I, when you get to the back of the room, I want you to wait there, okay? All right, go. Yes. We'll talk about it downstairs, okay? We'll talk more downstairs. <laughs> All right, so they're in the back. Now, stay there for one minute because you're going to come back. But this time, I'm going to ask all of you who were happy to accept fist bumps to say no this time. So, People in the chairs, same thing. Please ask, may I give you a fist bump? 
And then pay attention to your feelings when the children say no. All right, come on back. All right. How did that feel to have somebody ask you first, can I have a fist bump? I'm getting some thumbs up here. All right, so our kids now, because they talk about consent all the time, they know that it's a right that they have to say yes or no. How did it feel to say no? I saw some of you actually really interacted with people and took the time to let them ask you, and then you said no. I saw head shaking and I heard no's. How did that feel? How did it feel to say no? How did it feel to get a no? The reason I'm asking is because sometimes it's really hard to say no, right? Especially if it's somebody you know really well. If you're a grandma or a grandpa or an aunt or an uncle, and then you want to greet a child and they say, no, I don't want a hug. That's hard to hear. And still, it's important to remember to get consent. So, I wonder how you might use these skills in your life, consent skills. And I wonder how you will answer the next time someone asks you if they can tickle you. So, children, stay here for a minute. Miss Amelia is going to read something, and then we're doing our backpack blessings. This is Gem Mining by Christopher Bice. A few summers ago, my wife Suzanne and I took our son Christopher gem mining in the mountains of North Carolina. We mounded a pile of mud and dirt, got a sifter, and began sifting through the soil in search of treasure. Liberal religious education is like gem mining. In a Unitarian Universalist Sunday school, we endeavor to teach our children discernment. The word discernment comes from the Latin word discernere, which means to separate, to distinguish, to sort out. In other words, we try to teach our children how to be gem miners. The process of gem mining is simple. You take some dirt, place it into a strainer, run creek water through it, and sift until you find a gem. Liberal religious gem mining requires the ability to discern what is worth keeping and what should be sifted out and discarded. This can be difficult. Our children have to sift through lots of information in life. They learn values from television, popular music, the internet, books, magazines, their friends, and many other sources. We can't even know all the messages they are exposed to on a regular basis. We cannot shelter our children forever, but we can teach them the process of discernment and the art of gem mining. We can help to awaken the conscience so that they will be able to make responsible choices, to separate things of value from things that have no value. At some point, we must open the door and lead our children into the world. Thank you. If you don't have your backpack, now you can go get your backpack and bring it back down to the front, okay? All right, so while these bags are being retrieved, so we carry bags with us throughout the week for many reasons. If you have a bag with you and want it to be blessed and aren't already at the front, you're welcome to come on up or lift your bag up when you hear a description of your own bag or have somebody else bring it forward for you. If you're with us virtually, hold your bags up to the screen when it's your turn. 
So some of us take books and homework to school. Who does that? Some of us bring our lunches to school or work. I do that. Some of us take computers and other supplies to the places where we work. Excellent. We're going to be working on computers a lot, aren't we? Some kids carry overnight bags between homes where they spend the nights. Some people bring things like books or yarn or knitting needles to places where they might need to wait patiently. And some people even have special bags for their dogs or other pets. Yeah? All right. To go to the vet, maybe. To go to the vet, we might put them in a bag or to travel. So are your, some, I can see some of them are. Are your bags already full of stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. Some of you nope. have emptier bags and some of you have fuller bags. Um, do you imagine that it might get full one day soon? Like maybe even tomorrow? <laughs> It'll definitely be full by tomorrow. It'll definitely be full by tomorrow. Okay. So for this blessing, we're going to add some things to your bag, but don't worry. We are not going to make it any heavier and it won't take up any room. So I'm wondering if some of you might like to take some love from this congregation. I know some of you consider us to be part of your family. And I know I like to take our love with me wherever I go. So wouldn't you like to know that that love is traveling with you wherever you go? Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? Yeah, we're getting some thumbs up here. So we're going to do that. We're going to go find some love from our hearts. I, I have mine somewhere here. I, oh, but this dress doesn't have pockets. Well, I'm going to pull it straight out of my heart. And I want you to make a nice, big ball of love. And those of you in the front, you want to stand up and turn around and open up your bags and get ready to catch the love that everybody's building? Open those bags up. All right. You have your big ball of love? Ready? Toss it. Woo! Now, I don't know about you all, but when I was young and I was going to school, it was a little scary sometimes. It was scary when I started kindergarten, my first year of school. It was scary when I went to junior high school. It was a new school and I didn't know anybody. It was scary when I went to high school and I didn't know anybody. All those changes, right? So would you like some bravery to take with you? All right, people in the back, pull it out of your heart. Let's build an especially big bag of courage, big ball of courage. All right, get those bags open. Ready? Toss it. All right, good catching. I see some good skills of catching. Now, what would you all like to have in your bag that you would like to take with you? Your, well, something that the people here can give you. They don't have your cat right now. So what other kinds of feelings or Things like love and courage might you want to take? Um, 
Friendship. Sebastian, you had something too. Happiness. Happiness. All right. We're going to build a ball of friendship first. Build that ball of friendship. Get those bags open and toss. And then happiness. Build that ball of happiness. Big, 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 big happiness and toss it. All right. So your bag may not look any different or feel any different, but the next time you use your bag, you'll remember that we've added our blessings. Remember that the spirit of life and love of this congregation is with you at school or work always. That this congregation cares about what happens to you even when we're not together. And that if you ever need more love or courage or happiness take or one. friendship, we just are here one. and you can They're ask us for more. Have a great week at school, everybody. And we'll invite the kids who want to go with Miss Robin and Miss Kelly to religious education nope, programming nope, nope. for the rest of the service to exit once you have your backpack tag. And we're all gonna sing, go now in peace. What's the age limit to go? You can come. has long been a tradition in the free church of which we are a part to make time during worship services for the collection of a voluntary offering. And we have been doing that every Sunday for many, many years. We are imagining ways that we might do this differently in changing times. But for now, we are still going to take a few moments for you to offer either by text or online or in the basket at the back of the room, checks or cash, your, from your financial bounty for the work of this congregation in the world. Your offerings are always freely given and very, very gratefully received. And we will thank Michael for this gift of music.
have some guests with us virtually from Massachusetts, from the Unitarian Society of Northampton and Florence. So welcome to those of you who are here with us from your homes, much further away than others. It's good to have you with us today. So did you see the news story this week about the teens in other states who are organizing themselves to teach and learn from one another about sex and contraception and reproductive health. They report that the sex education in their schools and the information they're getting from adults at home is severely inadequate. So they've decided that they're going to gather information and learn on their own, peer to peer. It is impressive and saddening and infuriating. No young person should be left to learn on their own about matters as central to the human experience as relationships and health and sexuality. And that is why decades ago, Unitarian Universalists began teaching comprehensive sexuality education to young teens in our congregations. And why, over the years, the curriculum developers have continually revised and expanded the curriculum that was formerly called About Your Sexuality and is now called Our Whole Lives to meet the needs of a broader range of ages. Younger children who need dependable information about their bodies and vocabulary, and like we were talking about earlier, consent. Whose body is it okay to touch and when? Tweens who are preparing for puberty. Young adults who's, who are still learning about the world of grown-up relationships and dating. Older adults who have bodies that are changing in ways that get too little attention. They need relevant information about pleasure and connection as those bodies change. So the OWL curricula have grown for everyone of every age who needs to be reminded, as sex educator Emily Nagoski says, that yes, you are normal in your body and in your desires or lack thereof, because normal describes a huge range of human experience. Soon in the coming weeks, our elementary and middle school, our whole lives classes will begin here at UUCC. So please be alert for those notices if they apply to your family. And we are hoping this year to offer classes for every age. We hope including high schoolers and adults at some point during the year, because we recognize that together, all of us are always learning. And I've been thinking a lot about the ways we learn here in religious community. Ways that don't fit, as I mentioned earlier in the services, into the formal models of classroom learning that we often associate with words like teaching and education. 
You may have noticed the centering thought that appeared on the screen during the gathering music and is in the order of service document. It comes from an essay titled Letters After My Name. It was written by Carrie Kopnick from her perspective as a religious educator in a Unitarian Universalist congregation. In that essay, she tells the story of a casual conversation in a church basement while people were cleaning up after an event. And a congregant asks, Carrie, what's your undergrad in? She continues, I know I'll get it. I know the look I'll get. I know they won't mean harm, but I can feel the shame creep from my heart to my face. I'm staff here. They pay me a chunk from their operating budget to direct the ministry to and with their children and teens. Surely I have a degree, preferably a master's degree, likely even a professional license of some kind too. Actually, I say I don't. I didn't finish my undergrad. And the conversation stops. My eyes don't linger to see the raised eyebrows, the quick flash of judgment. It's not that I didn't want to finish school. I just came from a working class family where college visits and choosing the right school were a foreign world. My high school teachers didn't see anything special in me. My brain functions more like a modern dance number done in the woods upside down than a neat and tidy ballet performance of Swan Lake. So I tumbled out of high school and headed where my friends went, to a big public research institution that was all about third position with absolutely no woods. It's not surprising I left early feeling stupid. I worked in what could have been the Ms. Magazine top 10 low-wage jobs for women until my Unitarian Universalist congregation needed a religious educator and I applied. We were wildly successful, doubling the number of registered children and then doubling again. We won an award for growth and innovation and finally had to buy a church building to house our booming congregation. I served on district and continental boards for my professional association, and my blog was often featured in the denominational magazine. But I never applied to be formally credentialed. How could I? I would have had to face the credentialing committee without any letters after my name. My faith says all are welcome. My faith says we are all whole and holy and good. I myself have said this to dozens of children and teens. And yet, we have miles to go to make this so. I know that Carrie Kopnick's story is not unique. I suspect it is still rare among religious professionals not to have a formal degree beyond high school, but she is not the only Unitarian Universalist who has felt judged or excluded, even inadvertently because of a lack of formal education. And much like with racism and sexism and other oppressions, the responsibility here lies with those of us who have the privilege. In this case, the privilege of having letters after our names to modify our behavior and our attitudes if we truly do believe that all are welcome, that all are whole and holy and good. And it's that work, more than anything I've learned in a book 
or a webinar or in a classroom setting that is where the greatest meaning making happens for me in this religious community. Years ago, it was probably 2004, when we were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision in Brown versus Board of Education, UUCC member Jerry Wiggins and I were preparing a worship service together. And in referring to people who had been awarded academic degrees, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, doctorates, and the like, I said they were well-educated. Jerry suggested using a different phrase. She said, Paige, you're describing formal education, but to use the term well-educated to describe people with formal education suggests that anyone without those degrees is poorly educated. And she said, my ancestors were very well-educated in things that happened outside of a classroom setting. So ever since then, I have been much more careful in speaking about formal education and what it means to be well-educated. I've learned to ask myself, whose experiences are we centering with the words that we choose? Who is excluded? Who is undervalued? And that example with Jerry is only one of many examples of how my own growth and learning gets expressed through language in particular, it is among you that I have learned to shift my language from describing people as slaves, as if that is the entirety of one's identity, to saying people who were or are enslaved. Among you, I've learned to speak, for example, of gender-affirming surgery and not of sex change operations. I've learned to speak with more nuance about stories from traditions that aren't my, no, my own and that I know only superficially. I learned from you to think about how in the story of Hanukkah in the Jewish tradition, that oil isn't just any old oil. It was holy oil. And beyond language, among you, I continue to learn how to sit with the discomfort of my own privilege, layers of privilege, including how white supremacy culture has shaped me and this institution. Among you, I've been introduced to music I never would have listened to without you. You've stretched my awareness about the expansiveness of gender and relationships and the scientific understanding of what God might be. You've taught me to consider questions, I wouldn't, questions that I wouldn't have even formed on my own. You've challenged and encouraged and comforted me as I've learned. And I do know my position among you is unique, but I don't think that experience of growth and learning in this community is unique at all. There's a lot that an individual can learn on their own in a book or from other media, but there's something special and profound about being part of a trusted learning community. Just last week in a board of trustees discussion that was facilitated by Kirsten Nelson, I was interest, int introduced to a framework that was new to me. She encouraged us to think about the distinction between striving for cultural competency 
where competency is a goal that can be met. I am now competent versus cultural humility, where the humility of it is a mindset of openness and curiosity and perpetual learning, an acknowledgement that there's always the possibility that something is unknown to us, that there's room for growth. So now I want to be culturally humble, not culturally competent. We often think of religious education as a church program that is for children. We even use RE as shorthand for children's activities. But I hope that beginning today, we will all make an effort to break out of that sort of habitual thinking and speaking that will expand our perspectives and embrace religious education as something that is for all of us and that happens in a variety of ways. Five years ago, Robin Slaw and I convened a group of older UUCC adults. Some of you in this room were there. And we tested the Our Whole Lives for Older Adults curriculum that was in development at the time. Those weeks that we spent together doing OWL for older adults was one of the most fun and rewarding programs I have ever participated in. We covered topics from relating to adult children and grandchildren, to typical changes as the body ages, to talking about sex toys and kink. And aside from the curricular content itself and the things that Robin and I were able to offer as new information to people who were uninformed about those things, there was tremendous value in the mere fact of convening the class, of gathering in a space, in a religious setting, for open, honest, vulnerable discussion of topics that are so often treated as off-limits or taboo or impolite, but that are real and important throughout our whole lives. And especially with a group of people who, because of their age in particular, had, were, had early formative years in a much more conservative context. And so it was very important for all of us to work together to shift the narrative about what it means to be a human being and a sexual human being as we age. Now, I knew we'd be promoting our whole lives in today's service, so I picked up these two books off of my shelf at home and have been looking through them just as inspiration for today. This one is Heather Carina's, Carina, I didn't look up how to pronounce the last name, book titled, What Fresh Hell Is This? Paramenopause, Menopause, Other Indignities, and You. Highly recommended it if you know, care about love, or are someone who might ever experience perimenopause or menopause. And then Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are, The Surprising New Science That Will Transform Your Sex Life. Both of these books were introduced to me by Unitarian Universalists, not in formal classroom settings, just one other example of how simply being in relationship with one another is a kind of education itself. 
I'm going to read an excerpt from What Fresh Hell Is This, the menopause book. It's specifically about menopause, but I invite you to stretch your imagination a little bit and apply its message. The message is, queering things up goes a long way. So apply this message to more than just sex as you listen. The heading of this section of the book reads, like Patti LaBelle, you might need to get yourself a new attitude. The sex and sexuality frameworks that many of us learned growing up are exceptionally limited, all the more for the menopausal and postmenopausal. The limitations of those frameworks we might run up against the most and find the most inflexible are primarily about ableism, ageism, and heteronormativity. Developing an awareness of those limits and how they affect you and doing what you can to kick them to the curb can, and change them can help a lot. That might look like recognizing and letting go of the idea that desire has to be frequent or fervent, or that being able to have sex means being able to have certain kinds of sex only in certain ways, or that there's one way sexy looks and it doesn't look over 40. Queering things up goes a long way, whatever your sexual orientation or identity. I mean, centering sex on pleasure, joy, freedom, experimentation, and exploration, not reproduction, obligation, or rigid gender or sex roles. I mean, sex that's about all kinds of pleasure and the whole of our bodies and selves, not just genitals, intercourse, or physical sex, and that care about mutuality when there's more than just you, intimacy, and connection. With and after menopause, heteronormative sex and sexuality can become anything from boring or difficult to downright painful and oppressive. Those so-called rules weren't written really with anyone but cisgender men in mind, and they doomed them to substandard sex and relationship too. End of quote. Queering things up, she writes, goes a long way. The frameworks many of us learned growing up are exceptionally limited. Developing an awareness of those limits and how they affect you and doing what you can to kick them to the curb can help a lot. What life lessons do you need to keep, discard, reimagine, queer up. In the Christopher Bice reading that Amelia shared earlier, we heard, we cannot shelter our children forever, but we can teach them the process of discernment and the art of gem mining. We can help to awaken the conscience so that they will be able to make responsible choices, to separate things of value from things that have no value. But it's not only the children among us who need to practice that art. 
the art of gem mining. We all are always learning, discerning what information has value and what does not, what activities are fruitful and which ones are wasteful, where our energy can most effectively be invested, what will bring meaning and value and joy to whatever life we have to live. And it's not only us individually who need to mine gems. It's our task together as a religious learning community. So whether you are beginning a new formal school year tomorrow as an educator or a student, or you're thinking about how you and your family will connect with religious education opportunities here at UUCC, or are simply reflecting on your own identity as a learner of life, I hope that we'll all move forward with wonder and curiosity and openness that will interrogate our assumptions and habits and get rid of the ones that aren't serving us anymore and queer things up a bit. Amen. So this morning, hi. We welcome back uh, soprano Marianne Evangelista to sing for us. Marianne, of course, is no stranger to our congregation, but this morning is particularly special because after being a Columbia area resident for a number of decades, Marianne will be moving out to Colorado in September to be closer to her son. So this is a kind of combined farewell and bon voyage musical moment for us and her. We've so much enjoyed hearing her perform over the years and wish her only the very best happiness in her new location. I asked Marianne to sing this beautiful and romantic love song by the French composer Alfred Bachelet this morning. The composer wrote it for the famous Australian singer Nellie Melba. In Cher Nuit, the narrator beckons for the arrival of sunset, coaxing the evening into existence so that she can once again be reunited into the arms of her lover. It's pure, unabashed romanticism and beautifully painted in both the piano and vocal lines. The English translation should appear on the video screen.
Thank you, Mary Ann. Thank you, Michael. We're now going to take a few minutes to honor the joys and sorrows that have been shared by members of our community. Sarah, would you be willing to drop the stones in the water? We not only give voice to these personal joys and sorrows, but we also have this ritual of placing pebbles in a communal bowl of water to honor the ways that one life ripples out and touches many when we share in community. Those of you in the sanctuary, if you'd like to place your own pebbles in the water in silence, you may come forward during the music meditation in a few minutes. And one more for all that we are holding among us, unspoken. This is for you. Thank you, Sarah. Will you join me now for just a moment of reflection, prayer, and silence? Bless you. Great and Holy Spirit of life, of love, may we be held and comforted and encouraged and challenged by all that you are and represent for us and among us. May our educators and students have a fabulous year of learning, of growth both inside and outside their formal classrooms. And may we all embrace that spirit of learning and growth for all our days. Many among us have experienced loss or are remembering loss. We hold that grief with tender and loving care. And we celebrate, we celebrate with those who are bringing good and courage and love and hope to the world, who are having adventures, who are embracing life. Let us share just a moment of stillness that each of us might know our own prayers in our own way. Blessed be. Amen.
As we close, I offer the words of a new-to-me poem, although maybe it's not to you, by Langston Hughes, titled Theme for English B. The instructor said, go home and write a page tonight and let that page come out of you. Then it will be true. I wonder if it's that simple. I am 22, colored, born in Winston-Salem. I went to school there, then Durham, then here to this college on the hill above Harlem. I am the only colored student in my class. The steps from the hill lead down into Harlem through a park, then I cross St. Nicholas, 8th Avenue, 7th, and I come to the Y, the Harlem Branch Y, where I take the elevator up to my room, sit down, and write this page. It's not easy to know what is true for you or me at 22, my age, but I guess I'm what I feel and see and hear. Harlem, I hear you. Hear you, hear me, we too, you, me, talk on this page. I hear New York too. Me, who? Well, I like to eat, sleep, drink, and be in love. I like to work, read, learn, and understand life. I like a pipe for a Christmas present, or records, Bessie, Bop, or Bach. I guess being colored doesn't make me not like the same things other folks like who are other races. So will my page be colored that I write? Being me, it will not be white. But it will be a part of you, instructor. You are white, yet a part of me as I, I am a part of you. That's American. Sometimes, perhaps, you don't want to be a part of me, nor do I often want to be a part of you. But we are, that's true. As I learn from you, I guess you learn from me, although you're older and white and somewhat more free. This is my page for English B. Will you rise in body or in spirit? And we will sing together our closing hymn. Be well. See you next week.